This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 449 of the Stable Scoop Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are the Fairfield Inn North in Lexington, Kentucky, horselovers.com, and Road to the Horse, where I'll be next week. We meet the five Aussies who are traveling the country saving pets everywhere in the Bathe to Save National Tour, plus a product review this week by Coach Jen. It's the Horse Rubber Soft Touch Lady Spurs. Listen in. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the Stable, it's every week. To bring you the news through hail or hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. Sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop Stable Scoop This is Glenn the Geek And this is Helena B And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show On the Horse Radio Network Well howdy Helena Hi. I didn't know if we were going to do the show. We're recording this on Tuesday. I thought you'd be buried in snow and not, you know, have your power out and you'd be freezing to death in Rhode Island. But that's not the case, huh? No, that's not the case. For once, we are taking advantage or we're we're enjoying the benefits of living near the coastline. Apparently, we are on the rain snow line and we're now getting, oh, it's about 40 degrees and blustery and we got lots of rain. So we're happy that it's not lots of snow. It started out as snow, crazy big chunky flakes of snow, and then it turned over to rain about noontime today. Well, not so for TJ, one of our auditors who just posted that they have 20 inches in counting. Oh, my gosh. Uh, My sister-in-law in in central Pennsylvania just posted that they have 18 inches in counting. Uh, and still snowing. And my in-laws, who left about two hours ago because their flight had not been canceled yet to go back to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, who's now had about 15 inches and counting. And the flight had not been canceled, so they drove two hours to the airport, get there, and a half an hour before the flight's supposed to take off, they canceled it. Uh. So now they have to drive two hours back here. <laughs> so, uh. so, well, uh, at least they'll be comfortable in some place you know, they can rest their heads until their, their new flight gets scheduled. I'll tell you what, we, um, we are, I'm glad that we don't live in Boston anymore. That's all I can say. <laughs> Boston is getting a beating. I guarantee you Boston. But, you know, Cape Cod, the islands, and uh, coastal, south coast New England, we do, we definitely get the benefits of living on the ocean, especially with the nor'easter when it does travel from south to north. Uh, it brings the warmer water and the air with it. So um, we coastal communities definitely catch a break. Well, we def- we I remember the last year we lived in Massachusetts, we had 92 inches of snow. Remember, <laughs> that's the year. Oh, my we God. <laughs> yeah. And then and then just like was it two years ago or three years ago, we had that was the winter of never ending snows. And, you know, what's funny is we do get a lot of snow here. I mean, let's not you know, it's New England. But um, just because I'm on the coast doesn't mean we don't get snow. The I'm still traumatized. I swear I have PTSD. And this is not a joke. From 
2013, the winter of 2013, where we had, it wasn't a ton of snow, maybe 18 inches over a two to three day period, but we lost power mm. and it was in February. Yeah. And I, you know, you think that you're prepared with the certain things that you do, you get your, your batteries and your flashlights and all this other stuff. We don't have a generator in this house. All I had was wood, was dry wood and a wood stove. And one of the things that I did not do was I didn't think about the water in the barn. I thought, oh, we don't, we don't really need electricity in the barn. Like if I don't have lights, that's fine. And if I can't give the horses hot water, well, that's fine. I never thought that the pump, because we have <laughs> well water, I never thought about the well water not working. And so I had to scoop snow into big stainless steel pots and melt the snow on the wood stove just to give my horses water. Ugh. I had plenty of hay, plenty of shavings, you know, all that stuff, plenty of grain. But the probably most important thing you could have in the dead of winter, I did not have, and that was water. And that really just freaked me out. So now every time we get the threat of a blizzard, the first thing I do is I fill up a big old uh, Rubbermaid garbage can full of water. Yep, that's well. The longest we ever went was a week, and we had about ten horses then. That was a blizzard back. We were just talking about it in 1988, and, we, and that was the one where we lived back to Mile Long Road, and the drifts were nine feet tall, literally. Yeah. And we had poured a lot of water, thank God, because it was the same problem. You know, it was, it was, it's a well, but runs on a pump. And yep. the other thing we had at that farm, which saved us, is we had one of those pumps that you pull the handle up. And yeah, and the water comes up without a pump. I don't know how it works, but uh, we had one of those, and, and when it was not frozen, <laughs> we were able to use it. Uh, so yeah. we were able to get water that way. But well, what a mess! So we're thinking about everybody who was buried in snow earlier in the week. Uh, you know what I got? Well, to- the good news is the good news is it's March. So right. even if it you are me. getting buried in snow, yeah, yeah. it's and, and you know before you know it, Easter will be here. And hopefully, this is your last one of the year, and then you can start enjoying spring. Knock on wood. We, uh, over the weekend, we were at one of my favorite shows. We went to Live Oak International. and Yeah, was, yeah, that was exciting. Yeah, we went to the combined driving event there. And they had about 60 rigs that were competing. Uh, they had one, two, about eight foreign hands between the ponies and the horses, which was fun to see. Uh, competing there. And, and, of course, we went Marathon Day, which is always a, a blast because, you know, seeing those carriages go through the obstacles at a dead run is just thrilling. <laughs> they had a lot of people there. I was surprised the number of people who were there spectating, and that, that's grown over the years, which I'm happy to see. He has combined it now with show jumping. I got to see Georgina Bloomberg, and we got to see Springsteen, uh, Jessica Springsteen. She won the Friday class. Uh, we, we I love how about, you made that uh, correction. We were about. Four, we got to see Springsteen. That's right. We were Jessica about Springsteen. Four feet from uh, George, the George, uh, who was there all weekend. Okay. He was there uh, watching and intently. I didn't disturb him because I didn't want to get yelled at. So, uh, so we didn't say hi to the George, but he was there, and obviously, I think some of his students were there. But it was fun. It was a beautiful weekend down here in Florida, and it was a lot of fun. It's still one of my most favorite events of the year, just because I love watching the carriages in the marathon. It's, mm. it's so much fun to watch. And, and of course, I was there. Live Oak is just a beautiful place. I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful place. Chester Weber's farm, his mom owns it. It's 4,200 acres. 
And, you know, we only get to see a very small part of it, actually. Even though the CD is very large, we are only on a very small part of his farm. So it is really cool. I heard the other day they have 2,000 cattle there. They have uh, 200 race, 200 thoroughbreds, racehorses. Wow. Uh, it's quite an operation they have going there on the 4,000 acres. There's like oh, that was my next question. How many acres do 4, they have? 4,000. It takes you 20 minutes to drive the roads around his farm to make the loop. Oh, I could live like that, <laughs> unless I had to go feed the cattle or those thoroughbreds. Now, Chester's mom um, is a descendant of Campbell's Soup. That's where the money okay. comes from. It's Campbell's right. Soup money. Mm-hmm, and good. I just saw her on Forbes as, uh, recently. On, you know, she always makes the Forbes list of the wealthiest, especially wealthiest women. And uh, she's at $3.2 billion, I think, mm. I saw. So, okay. Yeah. So that's what it takes to support a 4,000 acre, acre farm. farm. Exactly. I don't think I'll you get make a right lot of on money that. on it. <laughs> I think you just try and pay some of the bills. That's a lot of websites I'd have to build. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was fun to do. Awesome. And then we took a couple of days off and went to Kennedy Space Center and uh, went down to the beach for a night, which was nice. Uh, that was yeah, awesome. you got your geek on, you got your, you got your, well, you got your beach on and you got your geek on. Yes, I love Kennedy Space Center. It is really cool. The space shuttle display they have there and just everything, the bus tour. I just love it. I should take Grace down there. I'd like to, I have never been. Oh, really? Yeah, you guys would like it. It's very well done. I, I think okay. it's very well done. Well, I mean, it is, it's Kennedy Space Center. That's right. <laughs> so it just, even if it's not well done, it's just Kennedy Space Center. <laughs> it is pretty cool. It is neat. And a lot of the history there is just incredible. And speaking of NASA, if you have not seen the movie yet, Hidden Figures, you have to, it's coming out now on pay-per-view and stuff. You have okay. to see it. We went to see it in the theater. It was one of the best, it was one of the best movies I've seen in years. And Who started it, that? Because they, they either won an Academy Award or were nominated. They did. A, I mean, they, they were nominated for a bunch of academy awards and it it's a movie about about the ladies that were called calculators back in right. the late 1950s and early 1960s in the early part of the nasa nasa uh space project they were uh it was it it features octavia spencer uh, dorothy vaughn and janelle monet are the three main uh characters african-american characters kevin costner's in it uh, Jim Parsons from Big Bang's in it. So okay. there's all of these big names in it. And the ladies were unbelievable in this. And it's a true story about these female mathematicians. They called them calculators back then. This was Love before it. computers. Uh, matter of fact, there's a story in the movie about the first mainframe com- IBM computer that comes in and nobody knew how to run it. So if you think about this true story, I'm not giving it away here because it's history. Uh, but nobody's ever heard this story. And it is so amazing why it's not taught in school, I don't know. Because without these ladies, one in particular, the, the first man into orbit would have never happened. It would have never happened uh. without this woman. Because she's the one that manually, with a calculator and a slide rule, did all the calculations to get that guy up there and back. And Why am I not surprised? And it was the ladies, this whole group of ladies. Now it talks about the segregation because they were black women. Right. It yep. talks about the segregation, everything that was happening at that time. But it is so worth seeing. Helena, you and Buck and Grace would love this movie. 
Okay, yeah. done deal. We'll you, go. It's coming out now. Look for it uh, if you can get it on pay-per-view or something. Uh, definitely watch it. Yep. Okay. Because it is hidden figures. It is well worth seeing. Best movie of the year last year. I'm not into musicals. Everybody said La La Land was great, but I can't stand singing in, mu- in movies, so I, I would never see it. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know okay. if it's any okay. good or not. Okay, <laughs> then. singing in movies. So, <laughs> so there's I'll no singing that. in Hidden Figures. Yes, there's one song in Hidden Figures, but you can still go see it. It's uh, okay. it's good, very good. I'll pretend I, I won't like it. I'll 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 uh, I'll protest. <laughs> I'll put my fingers in my ears. That sounds like a really exciting week. Horses yeah, and it was fun. Sea shuttles and a movies. Bit of a break. It was hard to get back to work this morning. Like, oh, I gotta go to work. Yeah, that vacation thing's addicting. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a break for Road to the Horse, and then we're coming back with a a guy I met at Podfest. His name is Anthony Amos. He is with uh, what's called the Bathe to Save National Tour. Uh, fascinating family. There's five of them in the family, and you know, three kids, age uh, 10, 11, and 12. I got to meet the whole family at Podfest, and they're doing something that's pretty cool. And it kind of ties into a fantasy Jennifer and I have had, and we talked to you about years ago, about doing a national tour, a national RV tour for horses. So I guess I was kind of watching it for that reason, too. Um, but yeah, we're going to talk to him about the mission and what they're doing around the country. Right after this word from Road to the Horse. Road to the Horse is right around the corner, and the Horse Radio Network is proud to once again be the premier radio network covering the event with Horseware as our title sponsor. On March 23rd to March 26th, four of the finest female trainers in the world will gather in the world's leading cult starting competition. With the help of my amazing, knowledgeable co-host Tara Carter, we will bring you all the action from ringside at the Kentucky Horse Park. Listen live or recorded to Horses in the Morning on Friday the 23rd and Saturday the 24th at 9 a.m. And then, for the second time, we will be bringing you the only free coverage of the finals on Sunday the 25th from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. The best way to listen is on the Horse Radio Network app. Just go to iOS or Android app stores and search Horse Radio Network or visit horseradionetwork.com. Thanks to all our terrific sponsors for making this happen. Horseware, Cashel Products, Cavallo Boots, Horse Lovers, and Enjoy Yums. Visit RoadToTheHorse.com to learn more. Hey, Anthony, welcome to the show. G'day, mate. How are you? Good. I got to tell you, one of my highlights at PodFest this year was meeting your whole family. What a what a joy. And you guys just seem to be having a ball traveling around the United States. Well, mate, I thank you very much. I think that you're one of the standout larrikins as well as we'd say in Australia. It was uh, great meeting all the podcast guys. It was uh, quite an experience. Well, now tell everybody what you're doing. This is kind of a crazy adventure to take a child 12, 11, and 10, all three kids, five people in a motorhome around the country. Tell everybody what you're doing and why you did it. Please don't forget the three rabbits and a dog <laughs> as well. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> so it's five, it's five humans, three rabbits, and a dog. Uh, the kids had the rabbits before we started the tour, so we, you know, I tried desperately to open up the cage and let them run free, but uh, the kids would have none of that, so they had to end up coming on the uh, tours with us. So Did you fly the rabbits from Australia, yep. Anthony? No, no, no. Oh. no they yeah. had them. We, we were here, yeah, we were here in, uh, 
in America first before uh, they had little pets. We said, oh, we'll just give them a, a little pet. So we got a female rabbit, and my wife thought it'd be nice to have little bunnies. So we got a male, and uh, we ended up having 28 uh, little rabbits over three litters. So that was quite an experience in itself. <laughs> That's another story for another day, Glenn. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right, so let's give you guys a little bit of background so all of this makes sense. Um, don't want to go too far back, but just briefly, uh, I started a company in Australia called Hydro Dog, which is a big blue dog on the back of uh, a trailer in Australia. There's over 200 of them. Created a very large franchise, very successful. Um, sold it, came to America, um, built the business up here with my business partners. In a 12-month period, we were looking to duplicate the model. So we got our franchise documents organized, ready to go. I went back to Australia for a funeral. And when I came back, my partner said, look, we've really crunched the numbers. We're leaving too much money on the table. Uh, we don't want to franchise anymore. We want to corporatize. And I said, well, I'm not a corporate guy. Um, you, um, see, in this business, you have to have skin in the game because if it rains, the operators, employees won't go, to, go out and you know, do the work. If they get drunk on Friday, they won't turn up on Saturday. They'll be hungover. And if the girls get pregnant, they, the first thing first is their baby. So they walk, literally walk away from the round. We experienced that when we were building the business in Australia. That's why we franchised. So I said to them, um, you know why we franchise? And they said, look, we feel that we can fund it and make it work. I said, okay, well, you've got to buy me out. So we went through a great buyout. A year and a half later, they uh, ring me up and they said, listen, we're going to liquidation. Uh, franchising was probably the right option. Would you like to buy the company back? So... I have to uh, tell you guys and your listeners this straight up. That was one of the most unbelievable and exciting days of my life. Outside of my wedding and my three children, it was definitely right up there. It's just getting your business back like that in those circumstances was uh, just an amazing, amazing moment of my life. So get the business back. Big Blue Dog comes around home and the kids were watching these terrible Humane Society ads, the ones the um, celebrities do that yes. make you cry. Yes, so, Oh, my God. Oh, this is how all this started, to be honest with you. So the kids go to the wife and they say, look, Mum, we've got the blue dog back. He's come to do something about saving dogs because they're right at that right age where they're aware and they, they know what the business model is and surely we can contribute something back to society with the business that we're in. So the wife gets this information. She wakes me up in the middle of the night. Now, to be honest with you, I did think I was getting lucky, but no. She said, let's get a 40-foot RV. So I sort of lost and I sort of won at the same time. So, and I said, what do you mean to get an RV? She said, well, let's put the big blue dog on the back of the, an RV and go around the country and see the country and brand the business because a bit of damage was done, you know, with uh, the year and a half that they set up the other guys. And I said, but that was really just in Florida. She said, I think it would be a great opportunity for us while we're here in the U.S. to, to do that. So anyway, long story short, we um, ran with the idea got our sponsors and partners and, you know, literally got on the road. Now, this was the, uh, the shock factor for me. I've been in the pet industry for 20 years, not in the rescue adoption industry. So it's chalk and cheese. I was very naive thinking because I was a specialist in the pet world that um, I could come in and understand this. We had to um, work out for ourselves the politics, work out the right strategic partners, understand people that have been in the rescue world a lot longer than us to really follow their lead on, you know, the right uh, relationships to work with. 
And once we did that, everything did turn around for us. You know, we were really falling over our feet, thinking that, you know, five Australians and Big Blue Dog and RV and people would flock themselves at us. Everybody loved the idea. Don't get me wrong. There was not one person that, that, that said it was a, you know, a bad thing that we were doing. But as far as getting people on board, we had no social media presence. So social media became our nemesis. We had a few hundred followers. You know, we didn't really get our platforms to support what we were going to do. We just thought, let's build it and they will come. I, I just don't think that works anymore. I, I don't think Rome would exist today if they said, let's build it and they will come. I think you've got to build it and show them for them to come these days with social media. I truly do. So we get ourselves into the market, seven months of hard slog, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this. We went from um, Vegas to Knoxville within 33 hours we saw three sunrises and three sunsets to be at a really big influential event with 45 minutes to go that's how much we really went down that highway to get to this event and I've got to tell you I think I'm the only person I know that can drink a five hour energy drink and get 10 hours out of it (laughs) I I was uh, (laughs) I was going baby let me tell you so we ended up um getting that milestone and then we went to New York did an event went all the way down to LA did an event then we went up to Seattle and did an event now think about that driving time there's days involved in that but we were chasing the media we were chasing the morning shows that would come and do their live segments while we were washing dogs at their studios so when we hit um, Seattle the greater good up there which is the dot com the dot org are the 5013c that we work through as the non-profit the .org had their facility up there with all their people that worked for them. They came out and did a live stream on their Facebook, and we went viral. And that was the turning point of our um, expedition into this crazy world of rescue. So from that moment forward, because they supported us, a company called Wild Pets came on board. And obviously with HydroDog, they were our three strategic partners to gain credibility um, market penetration, you know, um, influences that are now taking us seriously because these are big, big names in, in the marketplace. And that's when the sponsors started to sort of flow in. So we were still funding, you know, along uh, all the way from the start. And you just don't realize how much it really does cost and all the expenses that are affiliated with a, a journey like this. And you've got to remember, no one has ever done this in the history of America before. And we can't emulate anyone. We can't sort of follow someone's path. We can't sort of go down and get any tidbits. And I know some people have gone around the country and done their certain thing, but not specific like this with what we're, with what we're doing. And uh, there's often a phrase passed around, if you want to be successful, emulate and follow somebody's success already and put your own personality and spin on it and you'll be successful. We didn't have that luxury. So now where we are, meeting you at the PodFest, we've we've got to the precipice. We're on the other side. We are now, we've nearly already done 30 states already. Like we've been across at least half of this country and a little bit more. But now we've got our strategic partners lined up. We've got amazing sponsors on board. We're about to do a big red carpet event with um, the Larry King team. And, you know, there's a reality um, show in the making. So we've got some really big things happening. So at the end of April... um, First week in May, we are starting a 12-month fixed tour, 50 states, 200 cities, raising a million dollars and incorporating this whole process of animal rescue and, and animal adoption. So how's that for a, uh, a download? <laughs> what, what do you do when you go to a shelter? <laughs> so you're lining up. What, what exactly happens? 
All right. So with our partners, thegreatergood.org, the uh, non-profit, because they have all the associated shelters around the country lined up with them and they give them grants across the board, they work out where we're going. Uh, we, we've actually worked out where we're going. So we tell them um, which city, state and place we will be at. They will then work out which is the right shelter for us. Then our events coordinator comes in with my beautiful wife and they piece together the actual event. So this is a typical day. We will turn up Friday morning at 4.30. Sometimes we sleep the night before. It depends on where the morning crew wants us. So we'll either be at the um, TV station or we'll actually be at the shelter. They turn up for an, an hour and they do like three or four live casts back to us, washing a dog, talk to the kids, talk to me, go back to the studio, back live again. Now, once they're finished, if we're at the shelter, we will stay there all day that Friday and wash dogs right up until there's no dogs left. And we've done anything from five dogs to 73 dogs. That's our record, 73 dogs in one day. Wow. <laughs> so once, huge. Oh, oh, mate, it's huge. But you know, what, you know what the best part about this is? Is when people come in and we've washed the dog and they get adopted, people are now starting to associate what we're doing with the dogs being um, washed and rescued that particular way and say, oh, we actually got the tour to wash our dog. The big blue dog washed my dog when we picked him up the first ah. time. So that's been very that's been very gratifying. That that was sort of the, the point where we're like, you know what, this is really starting starting to work. And uh, I, I think for the kids, when they hear that news, it's incredible. But look, it's not it's not all um, sunshine and rainbows. We have some very very tough days where there are some dogs that don't get adopted, and you know there's some that have been there in there for a while. And we just obviously can't, we can't take them all with us. We're tapped out in our capacity as we are. But to see the the looks on the kids' faces when they do get adopted you know, really over overglows the days that we see those little ones left behind. <laughs> so we had we had that big day. And then on the Saturday we generally have a big dog wash event that's been booked in for that twelve months from the, the year before. Now when we were up in uh one of the best ones we did was in Colorado Springs. It was a Portoberfest and there was ten thousand dogs at this event and it was huge. And we were the first ones to arrive and last ones to leave. And we wash dogs all day. But the best part about us raising the money with the dog washers is the greater good do an online donation for the event that we're going to be at. So we, com in combination, we use that money and the money we raise. And sometimes we write between five and you know twenty thousand dollar check, depending on how much money we raise and how many dogs we do. So that's generally what we're doing with the tour itself. Now, since um, we're being started. The Big Blue Dog is obviously a franchise that I brought over from Australia. Now, we haven't brought it in there because we wanted to get the model right. Our goal is we, we were making sure that we don't want this to be a one-hit show. Okay, Babe the Save came to town, raised a million dollars, and now, poof, it's gone. Oh, that was great. That was what they did a few years ago. Hydra Dog has committed to every place that we go to and relationship we create with the shelters is somebody who purchases that territory will then be affiliated with the legacy of the Bay to Save Tour and have one day a month at the shelter, still raising awareness for animal adoption and animal rescue and raising money at their own cost. I mean, that's going to be part of why you would become a Hydro Dog franchisee. So if we did, well, just think about this for really, really basic numbers. There's 200 in Australia. Let's say there were 200 here in America and one day a month, all of those guys went and did one Sunday and saved one dog. There's 200 dogs a month that would be saved with the current model that we have in Australia. Now, Australia has the same population as Florida. So now we've got another 49 states to play with. And 
if we get the numbers we think we are, we could have such a massive impact long term with saving lives because of this um, by the save commitment, you know, originally leaving this particular legacy, but it's going to be ongoing forever. And I think that's a real motivation for us to, to kick that into gear. Well, I'm I'm glad to see you have no motivation whatsoever, Anthony. By the way, um, so, uh, you know what? Helene and I both started businesses in the past and have helped businesses grow, and and you know some some that some that made it and some that didn't. But I got to tell you, what the amount of work that you're putting in here, and the, I don't think people realize the amount of effort to get to the point where you're at now, and. To have three children along for the ride who I met and are as proud as you are to be doing what they're doing, that in itself was what I think, you know, I could see a couple doing this, you know, on their own, you and your wife doing it without kids. But when you add the kids into the mix, I think that added a whole new level for me uh, that that I really admired because they seem to be as dedicated as you guys are in in helping save dogs. Number one, and and, and being in a motor coach, uh, you know, with with five people and all those pets all the time is a commitment. Well, when you say along for the ride, let me just tell you something. These kids are a part of the ecosystem, and what they do and how they work in this environment would blow your mind, even just with the general day-to-day cleaning of the RV and dumping the water out, uh, dumping out the um, the black and the grey in the water and just mechanically keeping all this in, in check. Like having that dog on the back of the RV, it looks, it looks like a very simple train driving down the road, but when we go to places or we manoeuvre ourselves, Austin's only 12, but he gets out, takes the dog off, he drives the dog, like that's only in the small spaces, but while I'm driving the RV, I need to manoeuvre it in such a way that he uses his sign language with me that is so precise, and I'll never forget the first time this happened. It's happened many times since, but this is my favourite, is that we're reversing into one of the tightest spaces we've ever done. And again, this was in Colorado. Um, and all the old people always come out because they've been around for years and they know how to get you to reverse and they do all their funny language that I, I don't understand. And I would say to Austin, if they ask you to do it, you say no. You say, you've got to talk to my dad. So that's what Austin did. These people came out and said, excuse me, Sonny, we'll take over from here. He said, no, my dad won't let anyone do it but me. You've got to go and talk to him. So this guy comes up and he says, your son just told me that he's going to be doing this. Surely you want an experienced person to, to get you into this tight spot. I said, mate, listen, I appreciate you want to help us out, but I only watch my son's language because I don't know anyone else's. All right, let's just see how good you are then. <laughs> so we put it on a dime. We went into the tightest spot you've ever seen, and Austin was so magical of all the times in the world to step up. He did so well, and the guy came over and shook his hand and said, you've got one hell of a kid over here. Let me tell you that right now. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know I am. So <laughs> this, this is what happens all the time. He comes here, and people will say, and I say, no, I'll let my son guide me in here. So he then will take the dog off, maneuver it around, put it back on the back. And, you know, they've all got their little um, bits and pieces. Plus they're doing social media and they they wash all the dogs and they talk to the customers. And, you know, it, it really is an ecosystem. And when you look at this confined space, there's no question about it. It's not the easiest. It, every day is a, um, is, a, is a challenge, but we do have great days when we know that there's something we've done great and we can experience a new state or a new city, and it definitely has its perks, but um, it's, it's not to wake up and have a big holiday. I think the honeymoon was over after a month, after the month of it reality set in, and 
we didn't realize how much hard work it was. So, um, and they it, still have working, to go to school, we're, we're, right? We're, they still they have to do homeschooling and do all of that. Well, listen to this. This is this is the reason that gave me the final green light to actually do this. We were back in Australia and we went and saw what's called Longreach School of the Air. And School of the Air was a program set up in the 50s for kids that were in the outback that couldn't go into schools. So they used to use the CB radio like the truck drivers do to do schoolwork on the remote areas. So now obviously it's Skype and Google Plus and what have you. So we went and saw them and said, look, we're in America. We'd love to keep the Australian system involved to keep the authenticity and the language and the culture. And they said, look, it sounds great. But unfortunately, you being in America with a fixed America with a fixed location, you have to go to a local school. I said, no, we don't have a fixed location. We're in an RV traveling around the country. And they go, what? They said, well, this is unprecedented. And, we, and they called the, the um, principal in and he said, look, I've had a look at what you guys are doing. It's remarkable. We'd love to entertain the idea of doing this for the first time. It's a grey area. There's nothing written here in the laws to say that you <laughs> can't be in a, an RV travelling around America and doing homeschool back to Australia. So that's what the kids do. They literally do homeschool back to Australia called School of the Air. Hmm. Hmm. Isn't, cool. that Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing you can do that today? It is. It is. <laughs> it is do, you have, do you have any franchises yet set up in the U.S.? We don't. With our first, the big blue dog we have now is the first one because we took it from a trailer and put it on the back of a transit van. So there's been a lot of complications with it. However, we've finalised our our builder, and our first one's coming off the production line in a couple of weeks. So we'll be selling um, franchises probably within the month. I've got a. Um, you can just imagine how many people have inquired about this since we've been going around the country. So they've got to fit a very particular criteria with us. They absolutely have to be on board with the uh, saving of the lives and the, you know, the whole um, legacy that the Bay of the State is creating. I mean, that, that's, it's not just come in and, you know, buy a business and you're successful. It's got to be a combination of it all. And, and I was having this conversation only just the other day. If you think about what we're doing, raising a million dollars, saving thousands of dogs' lives, the owners of the company are literally branding the business around the 50 states for the, for the year and a half of this period of time and really putting the dedication into the brand, you look at that and look at the franchises that are out there, people can, they can have a transaction and get a business and make money, or you can become a part of a culture that's going to really make a difference and possibly get rid of euthanasia. If, if we had that much of an impact over the next five or 10 years, we could really make a massive dent in these dogs being put down over this period of time. We, we could really revolutionize this whole marketplace if we do this properly. Hmm. It's a great, PR move, I'll tell you, if you're <laughs> getting, all, uh, you know, getting this brand and getting this culture out in person to all 50 states in America, that's, it takes a lot of effort, but I think the payback will be grand. You know, Anthony told me something, oh, Helena, while we were at PodFest too, and, and he said, you know, Another reason I wanted to do this was, one, to save the dogs, but I wanted to bring the kids along because someday I want them when they're 22 and they're flying to Russia someplace and they meet somebody on the plane that says they're from uh, the middle of nowhere, Kansas. The kids can say, (laughs) oh, I was there. I know exactly where you're talking about. And they can have a conversation with anybody. And if you think about that, you know, that that's amazing for a child to have that kind of exposure to the world, too. Um, Absolutely. It's, I mean, they, they're getting an education they can't get from any, any 
I don't know, any infrastructure, any organized classroom, homeschooled or, or not. I, I think it's yeah. wonderful. Well, Anthony, you're well, you the know, right one to way. sell this, too, by the way, because, man, when you talk, <laughs> you know, I listen and everybody listens. You're, you're, you're the right one to do this, my friend. You certainly are. Well, I, I really appreciate that, Glenn. And I think, you know, what you were just tapping on was the, the light. You know, when a, a real light globe goes off in your life and you know that it was sitting there in front of you and you didn't realize until that happened with what story you just told then was when I was in North Carolina, I was at the bar and I was talking to the guy, the, the bartender, and he said, where's your favorite place? And I said, it's, it's Oregon. And it's, as I said, Pacific, he said, city with me at the same time. I said, how do you know? He said, I grew up there. I love that place so much. He turned into a 10 year old. I swear to God, this 50 year old bloke brought up his childhood, told me what he did and nothing's changed since he was a kid. It's one of those places that's still the same as what it was, you know, back in the day, there's fires on the beaches and the boats come up in on the, on the sand, you run up the sand dunes. There's, There's no EPA drama there. It's just, it's a, it's a magical place. And the penny dropped or the light globe went on. And I thought, these kids, anywhere in the world, when they hear an American accent, they would have 100% been to the state that that person's from, huge percentage chance have been to the city that they're from, and even possibly they've been to the place where they grew up. Now, if you're at a dinner table, you know what it's like when you're at a dinner party and you're meeting new people and all of a sudden no one really knows what to say. I mean, I, I don't really actually have that problem. I was just going to say, I don't think you have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> Especially after a couple of beers, let me tell you. Uh, so the, <laughs> the, the kids, they're going to hear, hear the American accent and, and straight away there's conversational pieces and they're going to be also educated on, you know, that particular state where they're at. So that story that you tell is really the biggest um, emotional content that I've taken away as a parent if I do nothing else in this whole wide world, I know that that's something that's going to benefit them for the rest of their life. Well, good good for doing what you're doing. It's bathetosave.com, B-A-T-H-E, tosave.com is the website. And I assume people can find on there where you're going to be and where they can come out and see you and all of that stuff. Yes, that's just about to transform. Now we've made this big decision to do the 12 months in the 50 states again. We're in the works right now of every single place that we're going to 12 months in advance. And we've got a great team now behind us. Like when I told you when we first started, there was just Rachel and myself and the kids. Now we've got a team of 10. We've got um, um, digital marketing guys. We've got social media guys. We've got event people. We've got, you know, um, the rescue guys. There's, everyone's rallying behind us. And now we've got a, an e-commerce side. So the, when you go onto the, um, the website, you can donate go straight to um, the greater good, or you can get on the e-commerce side in the, in the shop and buy some shirts and jewelry, and that helps fund the tour. Right up until now, we've been doing a lot of it ourselves, but now we've just opened up the e-commerce and everything you buy 100% goes towards the tour to make this a reality of raising this million dollars. Awesome. All right, awesome. Anthony, thanks a bunch. It's bathetosave.com, and I'm so glad I got to meet you and the whole family. Best of luck to you. Yeah, we'll be my- rooting for you. Good on you guys. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And thanks to all the listeners out there and make sure you follow us on the social media. You know, um, Facebook is great, but just, just watch our journey and we'll be doing a ton of posts along the way. 
Fairfield Inn and Suites North by Marriott Lexington is the ideal hotel for you as they are the closest hotel to the Kentucky Horse Park. They have the most spacious guest rooms and suites in the area, and they're only four miles from downtown Lexington. Fairfield Inn and Suites North offers complimentary breakfast, free Wi-Fi throughout the hotel, free parking, a business center, an indoor swimming pool and jacuzzi, an outdoor patio with grill, laundry facilities, and much more. You get hungry, Cracker Barrel is located right next door, and there are four other dining options available within walking distance for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Of course, Lexington is known for the Kentucky Horse Park, University of Kentucky, Keeneland, and the historical Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Enjoy a terrific hotel experience while you're touring Lexington. There's no denying that the Lexington North Fairfield Inn & Suites is the best value in town and will meet all your hospitality needs. Just Google Fairfield in North Lexington and make your reservations today. Well, before we get to the Tack and Habit segment, I wanted to mention that next week at this time, I'll be at Road to the Horse. I'll be in Lexington, Kentucky for the fourth year, I believe. And we'll be doing our coverage from there. Tara Carter is going to help me out this year. Mary Kitzmiller wasn't available. So Tara Carter is going to help out. She has been in the arena before helping her husband, who's competed at Road to the Horse. She's a heck of a horse trainer herself. Super nice. And I'm looking forward to working with her as my co-host. We'll be coming to you live. Live on Friday and Saturday morning on Horses in the Morning. And then on Sunday, we'll be doing the final competition of Road to the Horse live for four hours. So just like we did last year, we, we're looking forward to providing you coverage from uh, what is the World Series or the Super Bowl of Colt starting competitions around the world. 8,000 people will be there, including a lot of our listeners. So we're going to organize a meetup for everybody who's coming in. Something very cool, Helena, that you'll be excited about is I was allowed to offer a couple of tickets. They released a block of tickets that they always hold to the end. And they released a block of tickets and said I could give away some. And I announced it on Horses in the Morning, and we had a lot of takers. But one of the takers was one of our listeners from Sweden who made arrangements to fly over and stay and is coming to Road to the Horse from Sweden. Uh, and she's one of our listeners that heard about it here on the show. So I'm so excited about that. Get to wow. meet them as well. And, uh, and, and I did tell the Road to the Horse people you were coming, and they're excited to meet you too. So I just thought that was very cool. And it just shows you how global we are. Wow. I know. That's kind of neat. <laughs> yeah. We're like grownups now. I know. <laughs> Jeez. Be responsible that, <laughs> and professional. And with that, we're going to go to Coach Jen in the Tack and Habit segment. Well, this Tag and Habit product is brought to you by Horselovers.com. And we have Coach Jenna, the Horse Tip Daily Show with us. Hey, Jennifer. Hello. What product are you reviewing today? I am reviewing the Whores Ladies Roller Spurs. Did I get the name right, Glenn? Yes, you did. The Rubber Soft Touch Ladies Spur. Woohoo! Soft Touch. Anyone, anytime you can get something done with a soft touch, I'm paying attention. There we go. Um, well... I wear spurs when I ride Nigel and big spurs or little spurs. Um, just the spurs that I had on hand. I didn't even think about what size they were, but I wear spurs. I wore spurs on, on beaker too. I'm just a spur wearer. I have been for years. And I discovered very shortly after I got 
Nigel that he has very, very thin, papery, soft skin. And just if if Scooter even looks at him and parts his lips, he gets a hole in his hair, his hide. It's just <laughs> constant battle with holes in him. He, he cuts himself on the wooden fence. It's terrible. And I discovered Sorry, that so funny. a metal spur, even though it had a rounded end, it had kind of a knob end spur before, would leave yeah. a little a mark on him. I'm going, that's terrible. I can't do that. But I also discovered that he needs his spurs. A, a big old kick or a big old squeeze doesn't do the trick. A gentle touch with a spur does. So I looked around a little bit and I found these spurs and they have um, the little ball on the end is like a hard rubber, not okay. metal, because they make them in metal roller balls too. And I, I liked the soft, squishy rubber rather than the metal better. And I like these because the roller on the end of the spur, and they're about the same length of it as a short spur would be. They're not really long. Um, the, it spins on its axis. Does that make sense? Oh, so it really does roll. It doesn't just sort of pivot and rotate. It yes, spins. because you can get them so that they spin on the equator <laughs> or yeah. that they spin on their axis. And this one spins on the axis. So if you were to look at a, a little, a little graphic of the world spinning, it would be spinning around on its axis because so I, the plane of rotation is parallel with the bars of the spur. Listen to you being all geometry. See, I would have said it. It goes side to side, it goes and side not side. up and down. I, <laughs> you guys, I'm good for one words. of the. I'm good for that, like once a year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I came yeah. up with that, but and the, the, so they go ahead. Go ahead. The reason they, they I like so, that is yeah. if it goes the other direction, then the attachment of the the ball to the spur is on the top and the bottom. It's at the poles, the north and south pole. Well, frequently when you put your spur on the horse, it's the top edge of the spur that touches the horse, the North Pole. Well, that's where the attachment is, which doesn't roll. (sighs) So this, these, this design, these spurs solve that problem. Yes, because the attachment is in the equator and it's inside the core of the roller ball. So it can't touch the horse anywhere. Which also makes it a little more durable, I think. I would think so. Yeah, it's not. Although I can't imagine a metal spur would wear out being pushed against a horse's side no matter how many times you did it. But it would work like if you, like me, I never take my spurs off my boots. They just live there. So right. you're right. It's going to get a lot of wear and tear on it being at the top and bottom like that. Yeah. It, but even through, you, you know, anytime there's moving parts on any kind <laughs> of gadget or gizmo, true. in my experience, the moving part will break somehow the, yeah, or it'll right. rust or it'll pit or something will happen. Yeah. So these are protected. So the actual, um, the attachment point is protected by this firm smooth rubber rotating yeah. rubber yeah now it's like it's, a, not, it's like a it's like a spur bagel it's like a spur <laughs> a cut bagel with cream yeah. cheese in the yeah middle? there you go does it um but the so the rubber is firm enough where it gets the the signal across oh yes it's very it's hard it's not squishy at all Okay. Um, it's it's soft to the touch in that you if you were to feel it with your eyes closed, you'd say, well, this is not metal. Right. But if you squeeze it really hard, it's more like squeezing a golf ball than a tennis ball. So are these spurs designed specifically for horses with sensitive or thin skin? Or is there some other I don't know. Reason? I don't know. Okay. Um, roller spurs became a thing a few years back. So as soon as, of co- as soon as they became a thing, of course, a million and one different designs came out. And I never thought about it before until Mr. Thin Papery Skin came to my life. And I had to come, you know, he he gets rub marks from everything. So I had to come up with a way 
to keep him from getting a little rub mark on his side. And I'm like, ah, this works. And it's an effective spur. It, it uh, might even be more effective than the pointy one. Yeah. Um, uh, it yeah. works beautifully and he doesn't ever get a rub mark from it. So I'm a happy camper. I guess I need to get some of these now. <laughs> I'm, perfectly, <laughs> I'm perfectly happy with my spurs, mind you, but because you like them. <laughs> it's because I are. like them, you're going to have to get a pair. <laughs> and they, and in theory, they're a little bit kinder than a regular spur. Ah, uh, see, that's where I disagree with you. Why? Tell me. Because just because it's softer doesn't mean it's more effective. If you have a horse that the angled edge of a hammerhead spur works with a very, yeah. very light touch, and then you put on a soft round spur that you have to push a lot harder, you're going the wrong direction. It's always the goal to have as light a touch as possible. Mm. Now, if you have a rider who has poor control over their position and the spurs hit the horse when they shouldn't if you can't take the spurs off which may be the case in some cases then yes get a spur that is not going that is least likely to cause the horse on an uncomfortable poke um but you know an ideal situation is just take those spurs off they shouldn't be there to begin with if you can't control them right so these these spurs may actually be too soft which would then encourage a stronger leg and all gripping and things like that. Exactly. You don't, you don't put them on just because it makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside. Right. You, you, right. Don't get these just because it's the next greatest thing. Right. You, if you have a reason, some horses really, really do need a very, um, tactile, a specific tactile feel, something that's soft and round and doesn't feel hard and pokey and something that's rounded and made of a hard plastic or rubber is likely to give him that sensation. So from that point of view, absolutely. If the horse appreciates that feel and gives the rider the ability to use a very small light aid. You know, I have, um, I purchased a pair of the spur suader spurs. Yes. Do you know yes. those? Love okay. those. Yeah. And so I like them. They were, they were great because at the time I was learning how to use spurs effectively mm-hmm. because I'm a big sissy lala. Like, oh, I don't want to poke my horse in the side, you know. Instead, I'll just grip him with my iron leg and ask him <laughs> 99 times to, you know, to move over. So um, so I started with the persuaders, And, uh, you know, you can use those in, in one of two ways. You can either use the edge. It's a thick disc. It's mm-hmm. probably like a, you know, a quarter inch or a half, I don't know, a sixteenth of an inch thick with a round quarter size yep. face. Um, and... You know, I had to use the harder edge to get him to respond. Using the dull, soft, kind edge mm-hmm. really was useless. Um, and then I found out very quickly that that I would much prefer a horse who was quick and responsive to the aids than um, than feeling good about myself because mm-hmm. I got something soft and, you know, mm-hmm. kind. Kindness go. was, honestly, clarity is the kindest there tool you go. that you can use, right? When That's you're riding right. your horse. That's right. And a word of caution, uh, we'll backtrack on this in the persuader. If you have persuaders, um, have them engraved with your initials, keep them in a locked box and a password. I've yes. had two pairs of those stolen. Yeah, they're great. They're, they're great spurs. But, but this, this <laughs> kind of goes back into the, the conversation of there's um, really these gadgets are, and I call them gadgets, they're tools. These tools are designed for different kinds of horses who will respond to the aids in different kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. And that depends on their configuration, their training, their age, your education in the saddle. Yep. So this is a great option for riders who uh, 
for riders and horses who want to have a, a, a specific feel, something that's very tactily soft and a little bit, um, maybe it might not be as precise. I'm not sure, but something that's, that feels to your tongue. If you were to take your finger and you know how little kids love to do this, they want to get mommy's attention. So they poke mommy. Yeah. Well, you can poke mommy with your finger straight and rigid, or you can poke mommy with your finger bent and soft. Yeah. I think this type of spur that has the roller, the rubber roller ball on the end is going to be a little bit closer to that soft bent figure finger. Okay. If that's what you and your horse desire. So there you go. And it's very inexpensive. It's a whole whopping $16 and 99 cents at, at horselovers.com. So it's not a huge investment. Great, great thing to try. And, and to have in your barn, especially if you have a boarding barn or a lesson barn. It's always nice to have something that tools, Tools. That's right. Tools in the toolbox. Awesome. So it's the horse, H-O-R-Z-E. Z-E. I always forget that. H-O-R-Z-E. Ladies Soft Rubber. The horse. It's got a dumb name. Touch Lady Spurs. (laughs) It's got a dumb name. Rubber. rubber, Just go to stablescoop.com and you'll find it. It'll find it there. There you go. (laughs) Thank you, Coach Jen. Stablescoop's easier to remember. Thank you, Jen. You're welcome. And of course, you can find Jennifer at horsetipdaily.com. Well, now what's going on over at that Newport show? We had a great interview with the executive director of Sale Newport, which. And we compared, well, Seattle Newport is a nonprofit organization that helps people learn how to sail. And um, it's it's actually, we, we compared horse people to boat people, to sailing people, and we realized that we have a lot in common. So imagine someone who yeah, loves both horses. both very expensive hobbies. <laughs> and we talked about that, barriers to entry in both sports and how nonprofit organizations that encourage new people to come and try out the sport, whether you're getting in the saddle or in a sailboat, is really important. And uh, how those of us who've been in the industry for a long time, we sort of have this, we have this desire, but we also have this responsibility to keep those barriers to entry as low as possible. So it was a great conversation. Very cool. And you can find it at thatnewportshow.com. And of course, for all the details about uh, our guests, always here at the Stable Scoop Show or all of our past episodes over the last nine years, you can go to stablescoop.com or get the apps. The easiest way to listen to all our shows, there's 13 shows on there now. If you have not updated the app, the Horse Radio Network app on your phone, please do the update because it added some new shows that you'll see on there. Uh, If you don't have it yet, just go to Horse Radio Network, search for that on the App Store, iOS or Android, and you'll find it. It's easy, free, and uh, you'll, you'll just be able to listen to all of our episodes right there on your phone. Well, that's it, Helena. That was plenty, but there will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping.